Good morning. Happy Monday to you. Welcome inside Sportsnet today. Typically hosted by the incomparable Ryan Pinder. He'll be back on Tuesday. My name is Matt Rose in for today. Taking you up until 10 o'clock. This hour brought to you by Wild Rose Brewery. Proudly brewing their beer right here in Calgary. Visit the tap room and restaurant in the Curry Barracks. Or find your favorite Wild Rose beer at bars and liquor stores around Calgary. In this hour, a couple things that we're going to get to. Got a Flames note to pass along in a moment. We got an hour until it's the Merrick show. That'll get you set up for game three of the Stanley Cup final. We'll take a little bit of a closer examination of that as well. And we'll also look back at the big win for the Calgary Stampeders in Hamilton on Saturday. But we're going to start with uh, just a Flames note here. And uh, this one coming from Ryan's Ryan Pike of Flames Nation on Twitter uh, with an update just a short while ago. And uh, that's in relation to uh, Adam Werner, the goaltender. Was in Stockton for most of the year. He was the backup for Dustin Wolf during the course of the postseason. He was hanging out with the big group, the Calgary Flames, as kind of a, a third goalie, a guy to give Jacob Markstrom a little bit of a rest when those practice days became a little bit longer. Didn't play uh, a game with the NHL club. He went 12-6-2 with a 304 goals against and an 886 save percentage in 21 appearances for Stockton this season. As I mentioned, he was the backup to Dustin Wolf. He was thought to be maybe a, a situation where one would push the other, but then the 20-year-old Dustin Wolf won, won the AHL's goalie of the year, and it just wasn't the same situation for Werner. Uh, he is signing overseas a two-year deal with the Malmo Redhawks of the Swedish Hockey League. He was a pending Group 6 UFA, so he probably wasn't going to be destined to uh, return to the Calgary Flames or their organization and uh, that's kind of how it lays out now. You kind of look at the, the goaltending depth for the Flames. Obviously, you've got Jacob Markstrom, a finalist for the Vesna Trophy at the top of the ladder. Dan Vladar signed for one more year at $750,000 league minimum as a 23-year-old uh, who could come in and do some more of that backup role in the upcoming season. Just mentioned Dustin Wolf, who won the AHL Goaltender of the Year Award as a 20-year-old rookie this season. Um, I don't know if it would be a, a, a proper expectation for him to be making noise with a big club next year, but I could certainly see another season of number one dominance from Wolf down in the AHL with the Stockton Heat. I could see a situation where that ends up coming to fruition. Then the other two guys that are you know, around the team in the organization recently drafted are Sini Sergeyev and Daniil Chechilev, a couple of Russian goaltenders uh, taken in 2020 and taken in 2021. Uh, Sergeyev was actually the top goaltender in the USHL this year. So within the Flames organization, they had the top goalie in the USHL, they had the top goalie in the AHL, and they had a goalie who's going to be one of the top three finalists for the NHL's top goaltender reward, the Vesna. So that's kind of the, the, the idea around the goaltending situation as we get into the offseason for the Calgary Flames. Really, of all the positions, is probably the one with the least amount of questions surrounding it. I think the biggest one is probably what is the role of Dustin Wolf going to be 
in the 2022-23 season. That's probably the biggest one when you talk about the goaltenders. Uh, but like I mentioned, uh, Ryan Pike with that on Twitter uh, about an hour ago around 8 o'clock. Tweeting that out, uh, Adam Werner, no longer a member of the Calgary Flames. He has signed a contract, a two-year deal to uh, go overseas and uh, play in the SHL. Uh, wanted to get into uh, the, uh, the Stampeders coverage here as well because it was a crazy game for the Stamps on the weekend. Second week of the season, they were playing the Hamilton Tiger Cats. It was the Hall of Fame game, so you know that there's always the extra attention, the extra media availabilities, all that type of stuff that goes into it. It's pretty cool, actually, because both the Stampeders and the Tiger Cats had someone heavily involved in the actual game that was getting inducted into the Hall of Fame. John Huffnagel, uh, the team president, inducted for GM and coaching the Calgary Stampeders for many years. And then Orlando Steinhauer, inducted for his uh, time as a player in the CFL, but now the head coach of the Tiger Cats. So it was cool to have those links in the game. The game itself, well, certainly didn't go well for the Stampeders to start. Uh, they were down 24 to nothing at one point. Rene Paradis hit a late field goal in the second quarter, which made it so that the Stampeders weren't completely shut out in the first half. They trailed 24 to three at the break, but they come out and I would say battle because this is a situation where they lose their star running back, Kadeem Carey, on the second drive of the game. So in comes Peyton Logan who really was the third-string quarterback on the depth chart to start the regular season. He gets promoted to the active roster after Dedrick Mills hits the six-game injured list with a wrist injury. And I thought Logan was very strong uh, in the action they gave him. A couple screen passes where he was really able to get behind his blocks and knife up the field to try and create first downs. I liked the way he was running up the middle. I thought the line was blocking well for them after they had a kind of a a so-so first half of the game. The receivers stepped up because Peyton Logan took a, a high hit from Tunde Adelke right early on in the fourth quarter that took him out of the game. It was actually quite a scary scene. As you could tell, it was kind of lights out for Logan in that moment. Uh, was able to walk off the field, which was the biggest, I think, good thing to see um, for the Stampeders. Dave Dickinson actually talked about Logan after the game, who uh, came in for Kadeem Carey, did well in the run game, did well in the pass game until he was knocked out with a, uh, a high hit. He was a spark plug. He really was. He, uh, we liked him in camp, too, and he, he, uh, he's a littler guy, so that's the problem is whether or not he could take the beating, but um, he was a spark plug, 114 total yards. Um, you know, it's unfortunate. Uh, I thought the hit watching it on tape really was just an unfortunate hit. I mean, Tunde was just playing the ball, in my opinion, so I'm not going to go off on a rant on that. It was just an unfortunate play, and uh, uh, I feel like Peyton, though, is himself. He's talking to me. He actually apologized that he couldn't go back in the game during the game, so I know he, you know, I think he's, I think he's doing pretty good. So you love to hear that. I had a chance to talk to Peyton Logan um, before the season got underway, and he was just so excited to be up in Calgary and being uh, a pro football player, a guy who came up from the NCAA and really wants football to be his career. It doesn't really matter where it is or to what extent. Um, and I'm excited to see what happens next for him. Uh, Dave Dickinson did go on to say that with Kadeem Carey and Peyton Logan both leaving that game, you know, Charlie Power, the, the fullback, had to come in and 
take some snaps at running back, which is never ideal. But Dave is hopeful that both Carey and Logan will be available for this week three game against the Elks coming up on Saturday. I'm hopeful that uh, both of them can, can play this week. Um, but I don't have any real news for you yet. So, But I'm hopeful that both will be available. Okay. Anybody else of concern? I know Trey Roberts went on and off the yeah, roster there. We had about three or four um, that are in concussion protocol, and uh, it was a it was a heavy game. It was a heavy game, um, so we just gotta let the medical people take care of their end, and we'll see if uh, if those guys can play. Monday is a day off for the Stampeders, so we won't get too many more updates. But Tuesday it'll be the type of situation where we're uh, checking off numbers, seeing who is available because it was. Guys coming in and out of the lineup. There was situations where Cam Judge was out of the lineup. The Canadian linebacker and Frazier Sopic had to come in and spell him off. Trey Roberson was out of the lineup for some time. So Daniel uh, Ameko came in as kind of the, the spare cornerback. Uh, and it looked to you know give Hamilton some extra opportunities. This is a secondary that is really banged up. When you lose Trey Roberson, your boundary corner, and you're already without... Jonathan Moxie, who's your starting field corner. You're without Eli Buka, who I had tabbed to be the safety for the secondary going into the year, but we haven't seen him play because he's been hurt with a hamstring issue. Javian Elliott, who is probably going to be the Sam linebacker if it wasn't Brandon Dozier. Both those guys got hurt during training camp and haven't played a regular season game yet. So the secondary is really banged up. You got Deontay Ruffin cutting his teeth in the CFL beside Trey Roberson. Thought that there was up and down moments for Ruffin in that week two contest as well. Um, Kobe Williams is hurt right now. So Brad Muhammad got up from the practice roster to playing live games. Darius Williams was cut after training camp. They had to re-sign him. Looked like he got exposed a couple of times in that game as well. So for the Stamps to squeak out a win with their secondary being just as banged up as it is. And listen, it's a CFL you go through injuries over the course of a season. You hope that it's not one position group that gets just absolutely kind of overrun with these type of injuries. And for the Stampeders, it is the defensive backs right now. That is without a doubt. You can't convince me otherwise. But they still had some defensive backs come in and make some big plays. Like One of the biggest surprises for me, the best surprises, has been Titus Wall. First year in the CFL, relatively unknown player comes in, and with all the injuries, ends up starting at Sam Linebacker in week one. I thought he played really well. But more injuries to the secondary saw Raheem Wilson move from safety out to the cornerback position. Titus Wall moved into Sam, and Darius Williams played that, or Titus Wall to safety, and Darius Williams played that Sam Linebacker spot. Titus Wall didn't miss a beat. He had a massive interception in the end zone, which was a huge play for the Stampeders to keep points off the board for Hamilton. He had a massive touchdown where he kind of did a little strip sack of Dane Evans while he was trying to push for a a third and one on Hamilton's own 45. He came around the edge and just kind of popped the ball out and ran the entire way. It actually tied the game at 27 with a minute 20 left on the clock. And that was a massive moment because instead of just getting the stop there and making it so your offense had to turn the field around in a minute and 20, you get the actual touchdown. You know, the Stamps actually could have won that game. They had a two and out shortly after that, 
Hamilton goes the other way. They kick a field goal. They go up. Rene Paradis goes the other way, ties the game as time runs out in regulation. And then a massive play by Jameer Thurman in the second mini game of overtime to intercept Dane Evans on a, on a popped up ball goes off Sean Thomas Erlington's shoulder pads and Thurman's able to get in there, make the grab and end the game. And Thurman's been outstanding through the course of the season. He's someone that I talked to Titus Wall about on Sunday. Uh, we talked about Jameer Thurman. We also talked about, uh, his play, that uh, scoop and score for Titus Wall Saturday against Hamilton. We're here with uh, Titus Wall. I was going to say Sam linebacker, but it was safety for week two. You've shown some versatility already. had some big plays in week two, but I guess just overall, how are you feeling fitting into Calgary, fitting into this defensive system? Man, I love it, man. Just embracing everything that coach just embarks on us just from day one, you know, just as far as running to the ball, fitting in the scheme, and just doing your assignments. So, Whoever coach wants to put us on the field, as long as we're Simon Sign, everything else will just happen. So tell us about uh, that game yesterday. The first half, not ideal, but the second half, the big comeback. You have the big score as well. Just overall, what were your thoughts on that wild game in Hamilton? Yeah, so like that first half, like you said, we weren't doing our best, best brand of football. We were missing assignments, you know, uh, out of our gaps at times, you know, but we just had to keep our composure at halftime, you know, play the game that we know how to play. And after that, everything else just start rolling to play and just, like I said last night, just playing relentless and having that perseverance. And so that's all it takes, man, and just whatever it takes, really. There were two instances in short yard situations where the defense came through and really gave your team an opportunity. There was the, the, the stop at the basically the goal line, and then, of course, your play on the third and one where you took the ball from Dane Evans and ran all the way back. But just a thought on, you know, converting those plays that are tough to do. Yeah, man, that D-line, the D-line applying pressure, man. So without the D-line, none of that would be possible, man. So I got to give a huge shout-out to them. The linebackers fitting their gaps. And so just all the interior players, because if they weren't there to cause a havoc, then we won't get those third-down stops or second-down stops. So that's that's huge, you know. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, your touchdown? Because Dave Dickinson, we just spoke to him, and he said he hasn't really seen anything like that before. Man, so I remember seeing Jamal Adams do that uh, a couple years ago against New York. I believe he was on the Jets, and he came off a, a blitz throughout the edge and took the ball from the quarterback's hands and ran with the touchdown. So I was like, man, I got to make that play. And so next thing you know, I made that play myself. What can you say about Jameer Thurman with the big play he makes to kind of seal it in overtime for you guys? Man, I love Thurman, man. He's a, he's a true leader, a true captain, and so we all look at him for advice, and whenever a play needs to be made, he's the one who always steps up. So I love playing with 56. There you go. That's Titus Wall. Massive plays. He has the strip sack, the touchdown. He gets an interception. And, uh, you know, with Jamar Wall hanging him up after the 2021 campaign, um, being the Sam linebacker, being the safety for a little while, and Jamar Wall played all over the secondary, but most recently in the Sam linebacker spot, to bring in a guy like Titus Wall, and he has not missed a beat, and to have just one of those guys that you kind of find, comes in, and could be a real player for you, a real nice find for uh, the Calgary Stampeders there. Bo Levi Mitchell was 28 for 42, 313 yards, one interception, two touchdowns, Threw the interception in the third quarter. And then after that, the Stampeders scored on five of their next six drives, including two touchdowns to eventually win the game. One of Bo's favorite targets was Kamar Jordan. He got seven to 10 passes for 109 yards, caught a two, um, uh, caught a conversion on a second down, a couple of 30 yard grabs as well. His longest grab, 42 yards in the contest. Always love chatting with Kamar. He's a, he's a Calgary guy now. He's been here for a long time and uh, always so knowledgeable when you talk to him. I had a chance to catch up with Kamar Jordan after uh, 
the Week 2 victory in Hamilton. We're here with Kamara Jordan following a, a big win for the Calgary Stampeders. An overtime victory is a couple nail-biters to start the season. We were just saying that one's kind of a, a CFL game as you know it. Nah, man, for sure, for sure. Definitely. I've been to some I've been to some crazy games, some crazy comebacks, but that was that definitely tops the list, man. You know what I mean? I think uh obviously we played terrible in the first half, but I think we really held together and, and held ourselves accountable. I think the receivers really came together, the uh the coaches, quarterbacks, they called us out a little bit, but I think we really kinda got together, man. Let's just play football. Let's just do what we love, what we know how to do, kinda get back to that practice mentality. I catch everything, just get the offense moving, and I felt like we did that. I was really proud of all our guys, all the receivers. Well, and the second half was really an interesting situation because obviously you lose Kadeem Carey on your second drive. Peyton Logan comes in. He gets hurt later as well, and that one was hard to watch. But then it's just basically receivers. Charlie Power did a little running back for you. He got hurt as well. But how much more of a kind of responsibility do you feel to create offense when you see guys like that going down? Well, first, I just want to say, man, shout out to Peyton and Charlie for coming in and stepping up and getting a job. Charlie, that was his first game, and I don't know how many. With the torn you know Achilles I mean, the last year. So for him to come in and, and play a position that he obviously has a practice. And then, man, when, um, when Logan came in, he made big plays for us, you know what I mean? And I didn't. I think they expected us to not even use a running back at that point. So, I mean, shout out to those guys for sure. But I think it definitely came to that, man, once Kadeem got went down. Logan went down. I think we really knew if this offense is going to do anything today, it's on us. You know what I mean? Like I said, like, boo, they, them guys called us out. But I think most importantly, it was more us. Like, the receivers really kind of just got in a circle, looked at each other, man. Man, let's just go out here and have fun and do what we do. Don't overthink it. You know what I mean? Don't put no extra pressure on yourself. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? One thing I always say to the receivers, I got your back. You got my back. You don't always have to feel like I'm the only one who got to make a play. If you miss a play, make a play regardless, I got your back. I'm going to make the next one. And that's got to be the mindset, right, that we can all make plays. And I feel like we really stepped up in the second half to get that done. The broadcast mentioned it quite a bit in the first half of the game. It was quite windy. Did, did you feel like that had an effect in the first half of the game? Oh, my God. It was it was, it was was a major factor, you know what I mean? First of all, we was against the win um, in the first quarter. You would see just with the kickoffs, with the punts, Everything was just floating in the air and things like that. And then in the ball, I felt like it was a little more windy in the first half. So the ball was kind of all over the place. The ball was falling short, overthrown, whatever the case may be. So I think that had a major factor. And it was definitely a big part of the game. I know our mindset when we had to win was these are the these are quarters that we need to make plays. But I think it got to a point where you lose it. Like, it don't matter where. We got to make a play regardless. So um, I think it kind of got to that point. Like, it was like. Win got to be low-key, out of sight, out of mind. Focus on that ball. Quarterback is going to strike the ball to get it cut through the air, and let's go make a play and see if we can get it done. The belief in Bo Levi Mitchell uh, in the second half because he came out and he was leading that group, and I heard him after the game, gave it the game balls, gave it to all the receivers, but just uh, that leader that you know and you trust. For sure, man. That's one thing I always tell Bo, man. Like, when it co- it's, it's not always on you, bro. I know Bo, he, he's... He's a quarterback. He's the name that everyone wants to talk about, whether it's good or bad. You know what I mean? Sometimes you can feel that pressure for sure, but I think um, sometimes it comes to where, like, like trust trust us. Trust your guys, man, because we got your back. We're going to go try to make a play as long as the ball in the air. Just just give us that opportunity to make plays for you. You know what I mean? We want you to succeed. We know we know that you're seeing things and all that stuff. We just I think it's just all us getting on the same page, right? And um I think that was a really, I was think that was a really good game for the offense, 
in our confidence just to know that, you know what I mean, Bo doesn't always have to make the perfect pass. Doesn't all, you know what I mean, we don't always have to run a perfect route. But sometimes let's put the ball in the air and let, and let players make plays, man. I think we, I think we did that. And the last one, uh, you had the best view for it. Tell us about Titus Wells' touchdown. Oh, man, like, yo, for sure, like, I feel like I'm saying this every year now because I watched uh, Amos last year, the first game of the season, just run down and get the strip, sack, the strip after the touchdown. But that play was, was big time for us. Oh, my, we needed it. You know what I mean? It would have been an opportunity where if they would have stopped, no, we would have had to score. Then get back on the field and try to score, get another field goal. For him to get that play in that time was so big for us, for the team. You know what I mean? And, and just the momentum would completely shift. Um, it was, and he was, you know what I mean? We had a lot of young guys at DB. You know what I mean? So obviously, they gonna have they they gonna have they um they struggle and all that stuff too. I feel like Titus really stepped up in the second half. I feel like those guys at this point, man. I'ma just ball, not think too much, man. He came up big for us. He de he deserved all the all the recognition he get this week. Thanks, KJ. For sure, no doubt. There you go. That's Kamar Jordan. Over a hundred yards receiving. He was uh, the busiest receiver for the Calgary Stampeders for sure. Seven grabs on ten targets, 109 yards. Longest reception was 42 yards. He was busy, especially in the second half, and a big part of the turnaround victory for the Calgary Stampeders. Another big part of it was Bowley by Mitchell. Wasn't great in the first half. Didn't like the interception in the second half. But after that, Gunslinger was back, had these comments post-game. Great team win, man. It's, uh, it's amazing to be a part of a team that, that loves each other, that's ready to, to be there for each other. Um, and everybody showed up at the right time. You know, it, it sucks to get in that position for sure because a good team shouldn't get in that position. Um, you know, but all the guys stepped up and made some plays. Did anything change in you after the pick? Because, like, I, I honestly, I'm not saying that you were bad in the first half. Just nothing yeah, was going no, yeah, nothing, just nothing was happening. Yeah. You know, we, we had, uh, you know, the receivers will tell you, I, I called them out. We had mistakes uh, at, at bad times. Um, you know, not knowing the route, you know, being all sides on huge plays. You know, just not making contested catches. I, I called him out. And I was like, hey, let's let's go. I want I want to see the guys that I know, um, and Reg, KJ, Luther, Richie, you know, Malik. Every single person that plays receiver came in and made a play, and multiple times and over and over. And uh, you know, I think they're they're all feeling kind of the same. A little bit of a high right now. Um, but no, I mean, I, I lit, a, lit, lit a fire under my myself after the pick because um, I, I knew it was a turning point. It's like they, they you know. Either do something right now and improve who you are, not only to everybody else, but to yourself again. Um, you know, or they're, they're going to make a move. You know, so I, I wanted to show that. And you represent. I feel like because you're you, a lot of your mistakes get amplified. It is nice to kind of go out there and just kind of prove it again. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, and I understand that too because there were a lot of mistakes last year. You know, I was I was compensating and trying to make plays too often and, and not not doing it. Um, you know, and it, I, it, there was even a, a play in the first game. You know, I threw a girl route to Reggie against a safety one on one. And, and Dave kind of made a comment like, hey, you can't, can't try to manufacture throws. And, and I just said, yes, sir. In my head, I was like, man, I've done it my entire career. You know, we've just we've completed them and we've made big plays. And, and tonight, you know, same thing. You know, I threw up a bunch of one-on-one -on -one balls. They're not perfect balls, but um, I have trust in those receivers and, uh, and they've earned a lot more of them too. When you lose two running backs, how do you adjust? God, I thought Tommy's about to come in and run back. I really did. Honestly, I, Dave came and said, hey, ball, put Tommy in. I was like, cool, running back. And he's like, no, no, for the quarterback run. I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Um, it's tough because that's Charlie's first game back. So first of all, you know, hell of a job to him stepping in. Uh, you know, we're trying to communicate the entire time on the plays, the, the protections, the routes that he has. Um, but he did a great job keeping me upright. Um, I feel terrible for the throw I did on 20. You know, Peyton, um, I try to make a play that I don't need to try to make. And, you know, I, I know I know Sunday, and I know Sunday's not trying to hurt anybody. Um, you know, he's trying to make a play for his defense at the right time. And, and 
you know, it's very unfortunate, but he'll be back. He's going to help us, you know, make a deep run. When you see Titus Wall make a play like that, what kind of energy does that give this Oh, man. Uh, I've always wondered if those kind of things were going to happen in short yardage, you know, because guys, you know, always kind of drive and get the extra yard, and we get in trouble for pulling, pulling the guy. Um, but, you know, Titus had to get moved to safety. Darius Williams get signed two days ago, play Sam. Um, and they were throwing the ball over the middle a lot. You know, and Titus is right there trying to make plays and, and didn't make them in the first half. But in that second half, I mean, that's, that's a catalyst right there. You know, if that's not the play he makes, we've got to drive down, score a touchdown, then come back, score a field goal after that. So, um, I mean, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's a full team right now. Like, I know a lot of people are going to talk about offense, kind of turning things around and myself or whatnot, but the defense stepped up, interception won the game, the strip sack on a, on a quarterback sneak for a touchdown, um, and Renee, being who Renee is, I mean, that guy doesn't get the credit he deserves. He's the best kicker in this game. He's the best kicker to ever do it. Four for four for Renee Paradis, uh, the longest from 46 yards as well. Uh, clutch as ever to get that victory in overtime for the Calgary Stampeders, 33-30. to 30, They win it. Uh, they'll be back on the practice field Tuesday. We'll get some updates on some injured players. Trey Roberson, Gideon Carey, Peyton Logan, perhaps Cam Judge, although I think to a lesser extent, as I uh, did see him Sunday's session as well. And uh, then we'll look towards Saturday. The Stampeders play their next two games against the Edmonton Elks. They do have a bye week uh, tucked in there for week four as well. But uh, that's going to be the, the next look. An Elks team that is 0-2 and looking for their first win of the season under Chris Jones. They'll come into Calgary here uh, for week three. And then week five, it'll be back up to Edmonton for uh, a rematch. Now, Edmonton will play in week four, so it won't really be a, a back-to-back for them. But for the Stampeders, effectively, it will be a back-to-back. Uh, we are going to take a break. Uh, morning skates on the go for Stanley Cup. Game number three, the Lightning trailing the Colorado Avalanche, two games to none, and we've got some updates on some players who were and were not skating. We'll get you all the latest there and uh, perhaps a little bit of audio too. That's as we roll on. You're listening to Sportsnet Today, brought to you by Wild Rose Brewery, proudly brewing their beer right here in Calgary. Visit the tap room and restaurant in the Curry Barracks or find your favorite Wild Rose beer at bars and liquor stores around Alberta. Quick break. Back with the NHL story next on Sportsnet Today on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Welcome back to the program, everybody. My name is Matt Rose. This is Sportsnet Today. Typically hosted by Ryan Pinder. He will be back Tuesday morning. And this show is brought to you by Wild Rose Brewery. Proudly brewing their beer right here in Calgary. Visit the tap room and the restaurant in the Curry Barracks. Or go ahead and find your favorite Wild Rose beer at bars and liquor stores from around Alberta. Game three, Stanley Cup final tonight from Tampa Bay, Amelie Arena. Can the Tampa Bay Lightning bounce back after a 7 0 loss to the hands of the Avalanche in game two, where they look defeated? The will to play was straight taken out of them as that game went on. Can they get back to it here in game number three? You know what? They've been good down in Amelie Arena this year. Uh, Tampa. Hasn't really gone up against a juggernaut team quite like the Colorado Avalanche, though. I thought John Cooper had some, had some solid comments on the off day as far as kind of managing this, throwing out the 7 nothing game, all those type of things that you would expect to hear from a veteran head coach, a head coach who's coming back and trying to win a third straight cup now. We do have some updates as far as injury uh, personnel from the skate as well. We got an hour until, or pardon me, we got about 15 minutes until Jeff Merrick takes over. 
But before we get there, the notes, uh, Tampa has come and gone with their morning skate, Braden Point, and Andre Vasilevsky did not skate this morning. Tampa head coach John Cooper uh, spoke after the skate. He said Braden Point is going to be a game-time decision. Corey Perry was in his spot on the number one power play unit for the skate today. Also, Andre Vasilevsky is going to play in game three this evening against Colorado, but uh, took the morning skate off after he got rung up for seven, the first time that Vasilevsky has allowed seven goals in his postseason career, and he has played a lot of playoff hockey in his relatively short time in the league. As for uh, Colorado, not really anything surprising here, but they were missing three players from their skate. Nazem Kadri not on the ice. He did travel with the team. The expectation is that if he doesn't play tonight, he should be available for game four. Of course, he's still dealing with that thumb injury that required surgery, suffered in the conference finals on the hit from behind by Evander Kane. That was, what, a minute into play of game number three. Andre Burakovsky also did not skate. Burakovsky has missed morning skates over the course of the postseason. Uh, The expectation is that he's dealing with a lower body injury, but it's believed that he suffered another injury, this one blocking a Victor Hedman pass. He kind of went down to block it with the palm of his hand in the neutral zone in game number two, left the game, never returned. He did score the game winner in game one in overtime as well. The nice pass set up by uh, Valerie Nachushkin. And Gabe Landeskog, the captain, also did not practice. He had knee surgery just before the postseason, came back just for game one of the playoffs. Not shocking that he's taking some time off where he needs it. Um, Haven't heard from Jared Bednar yet today, so... We don't know if all those guys are going to be game-time decisions or or what the idea is going to be there, but simple assumptions. um, You can bet all that information will be public rather rather sooner than later. In fact, uh, by the time you finish listening to John Cooper's scrum from Sunday, you very well might uh, have all the answers. Take a listen to John Cooper, and uh, we'll keep an eye out for everything else Avalanche-related as we get set for Game 3. Tampa, Colorado goes at 6 o'clock tonight. You can hear it right here on your radio. John Cooper had this to say on the off day. The Rangers series, you guys fell down 0-2. felt like you guys found something in that second period or in that second game, that third period, what build off of. I guess what can you take to build off of after a game like that, or do you kind of just wash it in and try to look back into what, you know, things that got you here? I don't know. I think when you're – there's a lot of time in between the series and games, and you probably focus maybe a little too much on the opponent and maybe you got to – circle back and focus a little bit more on yourself and why you're are you in this situation and what put you in this situation and uh, that's something we have to do it's we really can't control what they're doing at all like we have to control what we're going to do and we just haven't done that and so um, it's uh, I, I think I said this after the Ranger series not ideal situation we're in but it's not insurmountable I mean it's, it seems like it's been the playoffs of comebacks all the time so uh um you know our room our margin for error is not as uh as big big as it was a few days ago but um you know we i, I think we have to get back to our basics and why we've had success and like i said focus a little more on us back row 10 john how do you yourself coach turning the page oh <laughs> i don't get a uh, that's a it's it's, uh, I guess a little bit of experience comes into play. And I look back and it's, 
when you get to the playoffs, it's one. It's just one game. Like, yeah, does it? It was an ugly the way it was lost for sure. Uh, but does it have the same result as losing in overtime? It does. And honestly, sometimes getting waxed like that <laughs> can be easier than losing the one in overtime because uh, you're so close. You know, this one we were out early, and and um, you know you find out. You find out about your guys and and see if they can they can come back and they can turn the page. But uh, I've you know over the years been in a lot of different circumstances. Maybe this is a little different, but um, you know you just got to break it down. It's one game, so let's move on to game three and like I said, focus a little on ourselves and what we've done to get ourselves here. Last night, you said it was a combination of them playing at an elite level and you guys not. Now you're saying uh, you got to focus on yourselves. Do you, do you sort of feel at this point that it, it's more of your problem than what they're doing? No, I'm not changing anything I said from last night or to today. Yet. Um, if we want to get back into this, we need to focus on us. And But that doesn't change the fact that you know my answer from last night is the same thing. Uh, I know you guys don't want to use this as an excuse, but we've talked all this time about how much hockey your guys have played over yeah. the last couple of years. I'm wondering if you noticed that at all and if there's a way, coaching-wise or playing-wise, to overcome all that kind of wear on the tires over the last couple of years. I think having the ultimate goal of the Stanley Cup in the building, and there's only two teams left, that uh, trumps everything. Uh, I don't, I'm not a believer in that you've played a lot of hockey. Don't, isn't that what you want to do? I'd rather be playing hockey than having the five-month summer every year. So this is what we play for. This is what we coach for. Um, the toll is taken in the playoffs. That's the toll. And the shot blocking, the groins, the hips, the cuts, the bruises, the playing every second night, that's the toll. And so when you get to the end, even though it doesn't look like they're banged up, I mean they're they're missing guys. We're missing guys. We've got banged up guys. Like it's 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 that's what the playoff toll does. It's not you know what happened last year. We'll do one more than that, Joe. Sam mentioned last night that it's one thing to respect the opponent, but to give them not to give them too much respect. Where you get, I mean, do you feel that's somewhat what's, what's happening too? Where you guys are giving them too much space or not like playing your guys' game that you guys you know? Uh, I don't think so. I I think. I think we respect all our opponents. I, I don't. I mean, this team is pretty focused group, and but they're not a arrogant group in the sense that they never have had a feeling of we're better than this other team. I, I think uh, we respect our opponents. Um, uh, everybody poses a different challenge, and these guys pose a, a challenge that we haven't quite seen. And you know what? We just got to overcome it. So it's time to man up and get stuff done tomorrow night. Man, huge game. Game three, six o'clock start. We're going to carry it for it right here on Sportsnet 960. And uh, I'm not sure which broadcast we're going to have, whether it's going to be Connor McGahey and the uh, the Altitude crew from Colorado or if it's going to be Dave Mishkin and uh, Espo calling it on the Lightning Radio Network. But we're going to carry the game for you. Six o'clock. It's going to be after um, our Stampeders and our Flames Talk shows. Horsing around. Horsing around. That's what I'm calling it. Pat hates it. I don't think legally I'm allowed to call it that either, but horsing around. Um, we got that coming up. 
We're going to have our breakdown of uh, the Stamps and Tabbies game, which I'm very much looking forward to. Mike Klug is going to join the show. Uh, the big show coming up later today. we got the Eric Francis show. Merrick's show is coming up. Uh, just after 10 o'clock and just got the guest you list. See who's on that? Look at what we oh. got here, fellas. We Elliot Friedman. <laughs> oh, yeah. Ken <laughs> Weeb. Yeah. Elliot Friedman uh, will join the program just after 10. Ken Weeb is going to join just after 11. Now, if you're just tuning in, Boomer and I had a chat with Ken Weeb already. It was amazing. You can get it on the podcast feed, Spotify, Apple, Google, Amazon, you name it. You can go find it. Boomer in the morning is the show to look for. Ken Weeb's the guest you want to look for. That was in hour three today. But he's also going to be on the, the, the this very radio station just after 11 a.m. again. That chat's going to be with uh, Jeff Merrick. They're still chasing their final guest. But how about this big one coming up at 1030? John Tortorella. Ball game. The Philadelphia Flyers head coach. My goodness. What a get. Just, uh, I didn't get a chance to listen to the the whole press conference, but I really like this little doozy from him uh, was early on, talking about how just got to get Philly back to being one of those teams that no one wants to play. Bottom line is, I want the team to be harder. I, I, I think we need to present ourselves, uh, look harder, uh, pr- coming off the bus, coming into buildings. I want other teams to say, you know what, we, we got our hands full tonight. You know, uh, uh, all the things that come with that, starts with teaching with play away from the puck we got to get some skin we've got to grow some skin and and it goes through a lot of these different experiences that we'll go through as we start our camp i'm looking forward to see how i'm fired frankly i'm just excited to see how this goes in philadelphia it could be straight dumpster fire but it'll still be worth watching like a car crash can turn your eyes away dang rubberneckers (laughs) that'll be me that'll be me (laughs) to a t on Deerfoot, slowing down everybody else. Just can't stop watching. Philadelphia's going to be an interesting team to follow for the rest of the uh, offseason here, fellas. Mark my words. Uh, this has been uh, Sportsnet today. we got to get out of the way. Merrick coming up uh, in mere moments here, but this show brought to you by Wild Rose Brewery. Proudly brewing their beer right here in Calgary. Visit the Tap Room and the restaurant in the Curry Barracks where you can find your favorite Wild Rose beer at bars and liquor stores around Alberta. Have a great rest of your day, buddies. Uh, We'll talk to you on the Stamps program a little bit later this afternoon right here on Sportsnet 960. The Fan.